I'm Kim Singletary. And I'm Rich Collins with Biz New Orleans Magazine. Welcome to Biz Talks. Each week, we reach beyond the pages of Biz New Orleans Magazine to bring you in-depth conversations with members of the business community. From the names everyone knows to the ones destined to make their mark, we'll dive into the top issues, best practices, successes, and failures of every industry that calls Southeast Louisiana home. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Our guest today is restaurateur and hotelier Robert Thompson, who has owned and operated food and beverage establishments for more than 25 years. He's earned four Best New Restaurant Awards for various concepts. Most recently, Thompson founded and built the 20-unit entertainment concept Punchbowl Social. That project landed on Fast Company's Top 50 Most Innovative Companies in the World list, and earned Thompson recognition as a 2017 Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year. Now, Thompson has moved to New Orleans, founded a new hospitality company, and purchased his second hotel in the city. Robert Thompson, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks. Uh, You forgot to mention that I got like seventh place in a racquetball tournament recently, so. (laughs) Oh, congratulations. (laughs) Sure. So, look, you were born on a U.S. military base in Germany. You were raised in Mississippi, have major connections to Denver, among other places. How did you choose to settle in New Orleans? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me, Rich. I, I appreciate the conversation. I'm from Mississippi originally, so lived my childhood there, but I spent a lot of my adult life in Denver, Colorado, and a few other interesting towns uh, across the country, like Nashville and Austin. As part of the pandemic, or on this other side of the pandemic, as we, as the, the glass half full perspective is, I, I wanted a, a change. A lot of us have had some inflection associated with the last two years. And uh, I'm very passionate about uh, hotels and been um, trying to pivot in that direction uh, for a number of years. But New Orleans is my favorite city on earth. And I've been here about 35 or 40 times before I started coming down with some um, rhythm in 2021. And so uh, I'm extremely familiar with it. I've tried to do a number of business deals here over the past few decades and you know none of them ever came to fruition, but I made a decision both personally and professionally that I was gonna make this move and jump in with both feet into New Orleans last year. Nice, so you opened your first restaurant when you were 25. And you've opened many since. What keeps you inspired about that industry and now as you transition toward hotels? Yeah, you know, in college, I was a philosophy and history major and uh, with the sort of a, that it helped me be a better creative writer. And um, so I, I really, I sort of have this this creative pull as part of what I do. And when I was 25 and I started working on my first deal, I was a little surprised to find out that I was I was good at deal making and it was kind of fun. But what really surprised me uh, and, and made me very happy is how creative I could be in creating concepts and, and restaurants. So taking a blank sheet of paper and being able to develop a new concept from nothing is uh, it really sort of gets me out of bed in the morning. As I, I, I like to say, it makes my socks roll up and down by themselves. So being able to do that in every new project is a new dream and a new vision. And I get to collaborate with new partners. It's really sort of a dream job for me. And of course, I've been in the restaurant industry since I was 16. So again, it was surprising for me to learn at 25 that I actually could fulfill my creative impulses as well. Why do you think that all your ventures have have this storytelling element and also just the Instagram friendly design element? You know, I, I guess that's a little bit of the uh, of the artistic process, which sometimes can be difficult to articulate. But what we know is that, or at least what I know, is that if I can create a narrative, 
right, behind the concept. And I refer to differ to that narrative as my muse and my framework for a concept and that then bleeds into the interior design process, which, which of course relates to the architecture and then gets into culinary program and the craft beverage program, et cetera, right? It really helps keep us on track. So it starts off in a place where I'm comfortable, which is storytelling, right? And then we just continue that storytelling process throughout the the development side of this thing and and straight on into operations. Nice. Well, I'm going to ask you about that as it relates to the hotels in a minute. But before I get to that, you know, one of your most famous ventures is Punchbowl Social. Can you can you tell us the story of Punchbowl and what would the Punchbowl look like in this parallel universe right now if there hadn't been a pandemic? Yeah, well, um, you know, Punchbowl I'm extremely proud of and uh, it, 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 I've been in this, indi- well, I've been an entrepreneur in the industry for 25 years and I spent um, about 11 years of that time on focused on Punchbowl Social. So I founded that in 2010 and opened the first location in 2012 and we, um, you know, grew it um, on a rapid fire pace. Uh, it resonated extremely well with millennials and then later on Gen Z. It was an extraordinarily uh, authentic experience for the guest and that was purposeful. And we we went through some capital partners the, um, in a positive way. So uh, El Catterton b- became an institutional capital partner in 2017. Then we brought in um, Cracker Barrel, publicly traded Cracker Barrel, and they bought out Catterton and they became my new capital partners. And we were on pace to really get this thing up to about six and eight and then uh, 12 locations a year that we were going to continue to open across the country. In 2019, we had 20 locations. We were going to take this thing upward to close to 75 locations. They're, all of the sort of the liquidity and monetization dreams fly around and we're going to spin it out and potentially take it public. And who, who knows how it would have played out. But the, the but the summary is that every with the, that in 2019 we were on Fast Company Magazine's 50 most innovative companies in the world list, and in 2020 we were on the COVID list. So we were on pace to to continue to do extraordinary things. But the 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 universe those curveballs on a personal level. I'm, I guess I'm adept at at hitting curveballs, <laughs> and so. Uh, which is, you know, some people can hit the fastball, some people can hit the curveball, right? But if you want to go pro, you got to be able to hit the curveball. And so I made a pivot. I let the universe dictate and, and I reacted as best I could. And, and here I am. Interesting. Okay, well, let's talk about your business move since you've been in New Orleans and founded uh, Angevin and Company. So how did you go about deciding which hotel to buy first? How did you find the Frenchman Hotel? What, how's that renovation going? When is it going to open? Interestingly, um, I actually uh, I toured the Whitney before I ever uh, toured uh, the Frenchman. So um, we've been working on this deal since February, uh, or maybe Jan- maybe January is when we first toured the Whitney. And uh, but it was a bigger deal and more complicated. Um, and Frenchman was also a, a smaller deal size that uh, we could sort of um, dip our toes in the water with and sort of prove out that. Um, we knew that we knew we understood how to develop um, a, a hotel um, because of our experience with Punchable Social. Those are all 25,000 square foot boxes, extraordinarily complex concept model. Um, but we needed to prove that to the investing community and, and, and some other folks, the selling community, the hotel selling community. And so uh, so we decided to go first with um, Frenchman. We never stopped working on Whitney um, and it took all the way up until um, December 23rd for us to finally get to a place where we could uh, close on, on that deal. 
you know, interruptions that we all had, Ida, you know, played out, uh, you know, during that time frame and slowed everything down. So, uh, so, um, but um, Frenchman was a was a was an easier bite size, and we had a little bit of proving to do to the world, and um, and you know, it set us up to transact on the Whitney. Gotcha. So, so what's the status of the Frenchman project right now? Uh, how far is the renovation, and when are you thinking of getting open? Yeah, so we are um, excitingly uh, this. Uh, we are doing the art and furniture installation this week, and um, so we are we are right there. Um, we'll open it um, somewhere between February first and February eleventh. We're we're officially taking reservations for the February eleventh, so that's the backstop date. Um, but we uh, our plan is to open uh, in advance of that. As you make plans, what is your optimistic projection for the hotel business in general in New Orleans for the rest of this year and the next year? Yeah, you know, I think that, um, you know, we're uh, we're all optimistic about where we are in the pandemic. And I think that um, that we're going to, um, you know, Omicron is playing out, unfortunately and fortunately, uh, so many hundreds of thousands and millions of people uh, have been infected in the last, um, you know, 60 days uh, that, uh, you know, we could be looking at herd immunity. I'm not a scientist, so you should probably ignore my comments on herd immunity. But um, but that's what that's what I'm hoping for. And a minimum, we're going to have a lot of people with some, you know, level of uh, of comfort uh, uh, that they are that they are at least um, for a certain period of time immune which I think is going to open up the economy even further. New Orleans is a leisure-based, uh, primarily leisure-based um, travel, travel economy. And um, the leisure travelers came out, came back out in mass in 2021, um, even though they kept getting gut punched by Delta and then Omicron. But, um, you know, New Orleans is going to continue to thrive uh, based on, you know, its history and its uh, its richness of culture that, uh, that attracts people from all around, all around the globe. Um, so I think I, I have an extremely rosy outlook for 22 and especially 23 um, as it relates to getting back into group travel. Nice. Okay, so talk to me about the Whitney deal. Can you talk about the partnership with GBX Group and any of the other important pieces to make that puzzle work? Yeah, um, you know, GBX is a phenomenal partner. We were, um, you know, we, we always had intended to preserve the history uh, and the development rights of, um, of the Whitney and um, then, you know, we were introduced to GBX as a potential capital partner, and they had a requirement that um, that that we donate our um, our air rights and development rights to a charity to forever preserve the historic uh, status of of the Whitney and its building. And so, since that was something that we intended to do um, uh, uh, under all scenarios, it was a, it was really a nice uh, match uh, for us to connect with them. They understood how to create some economic upside associated with with that type of um, uh, perspective on pres- on preservation, and um, uh, and we were looking for a capital partner. So um, so really re- really happy to um, have have made the connection with them, and you know hope to work on some other historic projects with them. We and, and we've done some historic things. We you know we re- we brought back to life. Uh, a 1910 barrel roof boxing arena in San Diego back in uh, 2017. Um, we saved and 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 renovated and uh, developed the Stapleton Airport air traffic control tower in Denver, Colorado back in uh, 2016. 
you know, so we, we have a, a, a history and an, an emphasis on, on, um, uh, uh, on architectural preservation of historic sites. So this is, this is a, it's a great partnership. So what, what's the work that needs to be done now before the Whitney can be uh, unveiled to the world? Fortunately, a lot. And that's what we love doing. So um, there's never really been a proper um, restaurant uh, at the Whitney um, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm really only focused on hotel opportunities where I can um, really um, create new value and through F&B programming. Um, there, there are a lot of great hoteliers, especially in the boutique space, um, but I, I think there's a, a void or there's a market void and an opportunity for us to come in and have this extraordinarily emphasis on, um, on reprogramming food and beverage um, at boutique hotels. So the Whitney... Uh, it had its historic uh, facade. It had these these gorgeous 30-foot uh, ceilings, um, you know, in the public spaces and, you know, these dental tooth molding and, and marble columns throughout the, the public space. Um, for for a, a design-forward company like mine, this was sort of, you know, this is kid in a candy store stuff. So we're going to, um, you know, we're going to put in um, a polished casual uh, restaurant concept, which I can talk more about. A, you know what I describe as a moody craft cocktail bar, um, but then but then importantly we're adding a, a flower shop, and that sort of relates to our our muse um, for yeah. So um, we 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 can't tell you our muse's name because that is the name we're rebranding the hotel. Um, we think there's enough things in New Orleans called the Whitney, <laughs> so and. And so we will um, we'll announce um, sometime this year um, the, the 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 new name, um, but it is it is at, it's named after our 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 matron our muse, who was uh, you know was a Irish uh, immigrant um, who came to uh, New Orleans in the 1800s and lived in the Garden District and owned a flower shop uh, by day and spent time and. Um, speakeasies and um, and and the and the restaurants of New Orleans by night, and so the flower shop is an ode to her. The craft cocktail bar, you know, will reference this sort of her her fictional affinities for certain cocktails and and uh, flavor profiles, and then the restaurant is going to be a vegetable and grain forward, polished casual Southern concept, not vegetarian but vegetable and grain forward. And that speaks to her relationship with Earth and her flower shop and everything that's sort of rooted in in, in nature. Yeah, I love the storytelling, and it seems like the kind of thing that uh, if this was a movie, you would create this muse and open the hotel, and then the actual muse would show up. You know. <laughs> well, in our minds, she will be right there on opening night. So. So, uh, as far as just the room by room renovation and just the expense of it all, how, how big of an undertaking is this all going to be, and what's the timeline? Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, as uh, obviously the, all the public spaces are going to be reinvented, as I um, just uh, just described, every room will be redone. Um, all, you know, new materializations of uh, of the of the public spaces above the main level in the rooms, you know, new bathrooms, again, all, all new materials. We're not going to reprogram the hotel. Right. We're not going to turn it 93 rooms into 125 somehow. Um, but what we will do is, because there's 24 suites inside of that 93, uh, we will um, we'll maximize bed count um, in this hotel. So the suites will probably get 
two beds as opposed to an oversized bed in a sitting area. And that's just that's just a business decision about how people travel to New Orleans is the largest 3.5 is the largest travel group size in the nation. And um, so New Orleans is very, you know, is um, is very much a group destination. So um, th- there's there's a, there's an opportunity to uh, to uh, to help sleep more people per room in that way. That's interesting. I didn't know that stat. So New Orleans has a higher average group size than, than any other city. Mm-hmm. It's it, the, nationally, I think group size is like 1.5 and New Orleans lives at 3.5. It's extraordinary. I guess it's Mardi Gras and all the festivals. And the, and the, um, but also um, like bachelorette parties and things like that. They come to town, they come in mass. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, that's smart then to take advantage of that. So, and then I'm sorry, and the timeline, when do you think, when do you think the new name and the new hotel will, will, will be opening its doors? Yep, so um, we're, we're shooting for, uh, we believe we can hit um, Q1 2023, we'll target Mardi Gras, uh, 23. Um, and, um, you know, we're already in the process. So, um, we haven't hit an obstacle yet that says we can't do it, but you know, like, you know, as you know, the universe is still throwing curveballs, so we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what, 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 what kind of curveballs show up next year. Um, are there any other plans that we are going to hear about in 2022 from you, other local deals? Yeah, we um, we're gonna announce um, later uh, this year a restaurant deal in the French Quarter. So um, we can't say what that is, but um, I figure um, you know we're not just doing hotels. Um, we're gonna continue to lean into our roots um, as a restaurant company. So um, there is a there is a, a deal that we're we're working on that we hope to complete in the next sixty days, sixty to seventy days in the French Quarter. Um, I'm, I, 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 I want to do a French quarter deal. You know, it feel, it feels appropriate to, I live here now. It's, you know, it's my city and, um, um, and I, um, I feel like I want to be involved in sort of that heartbeat, um, that, that, you know, that attracts so many people from around uh, the country and, and, and the globe to come here. You don't just have projects happening in New Orleans. Can you just give us a quick rundown of anything you have that's important for you happening uh, elsewhere in the country or elsewhere? Yeah. Um, well, I opened a restaurant in Denver. Um, I, I have a lot of arms and legs there still since I was my company was based there for um, for so long. Um, I opened a restaurant called Three Saints Revival, which is a, a tapas um, and um, uh, a craft cocktail and, and wine bar concept. And that is a growth brand. Um, so, uh, that will, that, that concept has legs and will, uh, will travel, um, nationally. So, um, at the appropriate time, I will hire a unique management team for that particular brand, um, and assign them to grow that, that project nationally. As you consider the effects of the pandemic and the multiple storms, what makes you worried about the New Orleans economy and what makes you feel optimistic? I don't have any concerns uh, on a long-term basis for the New Orleans economy. Um, the um, the drivers that have existed here for decades are um, are what they are, and and the pandemic has not changed them. You know, it's sort of our um, our history, our authenticity, um, richness of culture. You know, these the, the you know the the food and 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 um, beverage history here is you know is unparalleled. So. Those things will are, will remain the same, um, you know. In the short term, I just think we're all going to continue to dodge, um, you know, any any new variants. And uh, if we're lucky, um, you know, COVID is pivoting into, um, you know, a, a less impactful 
of, of a virus, and um, uh, and at some point the science will uh, will overcome um, the virus, and and we can really box it um, box it in um, a lot better than than we have thus far. So um, look, it, and then but as it relates to short term um, um, optimism, it goes back to leisure traveler. The leisure traveler is vaccinated, and they can come here. Um, uh, and feel safe, right? And they're going to continue to do that in 2022. 2023, I'm betting on conventions. I'm betting on conventions returning by Q3 of this year, frankly. Um, now, th- these big conventions take time to schedule, right? But we're going to start to see group business increase by Q3 of this year. And by Q1 of, uh, of 2023, I think, uh, I think New Orleans is, is singing, um, again, uh, at a tune that, you know, that it hasn't seen, that it hasn't done in a few years. Nice, nice. And I realize I, sh- I should have asked you this from the get-go. Uh, your real last question is, uh, so what fun restaurant have you discovered since you've been here that you had no idea about that's become a new go-to? Yeah, you know, um, I, um, I knew about it and had been there before, but my go-to for, for years has been um, Herb Saint, and uh, you know I, I love Donald Link's restaurants, but I'm 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 not in the minority there. Um, but you know, so, but I wasn't aware uh, honestly of Parkway Tavern until I came down here, and I'm a little obsessed with their shrimp po' boys. So, um, so I find myself over there once a week. Um, uh, that's my favorite po' boy in town. Uh, so many though, man. You know, I ate a lot of breakfasts at Molly's Rise and Shine up the street from my house on Magazine. You know what I miss, though, which is not what you asked, but what I miss um, that used to be here and I, and I used to go every single time I came to New Orleans was Dick and Jenny's, um, which was which was over on Chop. And I, I really miss that restaurant. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, those are all good choices that you mentioned. Well, look, Robert Thompson, it was great talking to you. Thanks for being a guest on the podcast. OK, thanks for the chat. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biz Talks. If you like what you hear each week, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on social media at Biz New Orleans. 
For more information or to contact us, please visit bizneworleans.com slash biztalks.